It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Chris Foster. Earlier this week, host Dave Anthony spoke with former Congressman Mike Rogers. He's now running for U.S. Senate in Michigan. But before he has a chance at winning the seat being vacated by Senate Democrat Debbie Stabenow, he has to win a highly competitive Republican primary, where his main opponents are former Detroit Police Chief James Craig and former Congressman Peter Meyer. Rogers discussed his campaign and the importance of flipping Michigan's seat red if the GOP hopes to win back control of the Senate, where the Democrats now have a slim majority. Former chair of the House Intel Committee also weighed in on the debate over securing the border and the Biden administration's handling of the conflicts in the Middle East and Europe. We made some edits for time and thought you might like to hear the whole thing. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the weekday Fox News Rundown podcast. And now here's former congressman and Michigan GOP Senate candidate Mike Rogers on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us on the Fox News Rundown is Mike Rogers, former congressman from the state of Michigan, who is now a current candidate for the U.S. Senate, one of the Republicans in the battle for the nomination. The primary will be August 6th, so we still have quite a bit of time before voters make their choice. Congressman, first of all, thanks very much for being with us. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. So here you are in a very big race. This is a very important seat for Republicans this fall, correct? It is very, very important. It's the only open seat we can flip. And we take out West Virginia. That's kind of a done deal. They're going to win that race. Uh, And so we win Michigan. We will be guaranteed to take back uh, the control of the United States Senate. And believe me, Michiganders and the rest of the country are dying for that to happen. I know a couple of years ago there was an attempt to win the Senate seat there. Didn't work out very well. And at the time, abortion was a very big issue in your state, trying to protect a woman's right in the state constitution. But in 2024, that won't be on the ballot, correct? That won't be on the ballot. And uh, certainly there is uh, no course of action that I would take that would would undo what the Michigan citizens have voted for and, and, and uh, you know, kind of enshrined in the Constitution in the state of Michigan. That's a state issue. I, I supported Roe versus Wade going back to the states that did. Michiganders uh, spoke loud and clear on that issue. So as you run this time around, what is your biggest issue? Well, it's several things. One, that we've got to fix the border. I mean, it's getting dangerous. So I was a um, former military guy. I'm a former special agent with the FBI, worked organized crime. You look at the challenges of and the national security threat coming through our southern border, it gets worse by the day. So it's not just the fact that last year the government would spend somewhere around $350 billion taking care of illegal immigrants, by the way, including jettison and, and uh, evicting kids from schools so that they could put illegal immigrants in there and house them. Uh, It's about the fact that the FBI is ringing the bell saying, hey, we we have a Hamas and a Hezbollah terrorist threat here, and the southern border is contributing to that. And then you think in Michigan, we had uh, organized uh, crime gangs come up through the southern border from Latin America 
come up into Michigan and we're running very sophisticated home invasion, home burglary uh, rings around uh, the, the suburbs of the city of Detroit. And they're still chasing them down. Matter of fact, the sheriff in the second biggest county there was saying he thinks there's 80 more that are still running around doing these uh, serious home invasions. So it's, it is a, a huge problem, a huge challenge. You, you can't sustain it. By the way, that $350 billion that we would spend pays for every Michigan teacher and every state trooper in Michigan for 15 years. That's the size and scope of this problem. And then you had drugs and human trafficking and fentanyl. I mean, it's, it, this thing is getting worse by the day. You cannot be a great country if you cannot secure your border. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Now, Republicans in the Senate currently are holding up military aid to Israel and Ukraine, trying to get border policy changes. I'm assuming you support them on that? I do. I mean, this is one of the most dangerous national security threats we face. I mean, we just don't know who's coming across. Something, you know, now it's over 2 million what they call gotaways. These are people that they don't know who they are. Uh, They don't really know where they came from, and they don't know what their intentions are, and they're roaming around the countryside in the United States of America. That's just dangerous. And so I think they have to ramp up the pressure to get this done. The Democrats are just content to let this thing burn out of control, and that's, uh, it's confounding as why they would want to do that. But we better do something for Michigan uh, families uh, and really families all across the country. What else? are you, you said you have several different issues beyond the border. What else? Yeah, so we're energy independent, huge. You know, one of the reasons I talk about how we should be engaged in the world uh, is by being engaged, not entangled. And when you look at what the Biden administration has done uh, to in all of these decisions, making us less able to be energy independent. It means you got to have the he has to go to Saudi Arabia and beg for beg for oil. They're borrowing and spending so much money uh, that it's creating huge inflationary factors. So the fact that we aren't doing our own and by the way, that's wealth that we could keep right here in the country by by producing our own oil. Uh, we're also borrowing and spending money at a pace uh, that is, it's, it's shameful on a good day, but the interest payment by the end of this decade will be larger than the Department of Defense. And that's just interest, not paying for one soldier, one Marine, one airman. Uh, it, it's, it's, it is really, really concerning. So it's a combination of those things that we have to get back. I mean, that Biden inflation is costing the average Michigan family about $950 a month more than it was just 40 years ago when Donald Trump was in office. And so huge, we've got to get our handle on that and and get people's uh, personal economy back up and running. Hugely, hugely important. And the last one that I talk about, I mean, there's a whole host, getting the military back in shape and ready to go, making sure that Michigan is part of the arsenal of democracy to build what we need to defend ourselves, by the way, and that has all atrophied. And the last part of that, is we have a an education crisis in America. We have a literacy crisis in America. China is moving out smartly. They say they want to beat the United States economically and be the dominant power by 2035. They're teaching their eighth graders quantum mechanics 
And last year in the United States of America, about half of high school seniors couldn't read at the sixth grade level. You can't be a great country. You can't have future prosperity. You can't compete with a country like China when we're doing that to ourselves. What would so you it's do? A combination of all of them. If, if, if yeah. you're a senator, what would you do? How, I mean, education policy a lot is formed on a local level. What would you do as a senator? Yeah, well, boy, you, I'm tearing up with that question. So I would approach it a couple of ways. So this is not the first few years that this has happened. So we have a huge literacy gap with adults. Uh, almost half of adults don't read past the sixth grade level. And so a couple of ways we're going to get at that. And they tend to be concentrated in areas. If you can't read by the fourth grade in the fourth grade, you have a 70% chance of going to prison or being on welfare. So those are two areas where we can make an impact for adults. If you're on welfare, I want to get you help. I think we should we should help you when you're down. But you also, we don't want to sentence you to a lifetime of poverty. And so we would require a reading uh, reclamation program. Take a reading assessment, see where you're at, get your reading level up to where you can uh, fill out a job application and, and better your skill set for, for a better life. And by the way, they can do these reading reclamations in anywhere from six to 14 weeks. So this isn't, you know, a sentence for years of, of educational training. It is, it's, it, it is a challenge to these folks to help themselves. Uh, and I think uh, that's one way I think we can get at this program. The other way, if you're in prison, uh, if you want to get out one day early, uh, you need to go through a reading reclamation program. And remember, it's only six to 14 weeks. Get your reading level up. Likely, think of that number that we talked about earlier, likely you, you're reading at the fourth grade level. Uh, about 70% of that population would be reading at the fourth grade level. You can't function in society reading at the fourth grade level. That's why it helps recidivism. It helps a whole host of other things uh, to get around it. And lastly, for the schools, there's Title I money that goes in to test where third graders are at. And apparently it takes about a year to get this test back. Well, by then you're finishing up the fourth grade. So if you can't remember, if you can't read in the fourth grade by the fourth grade, you read, you learn to read up to the third grade. You read to learn after the fourth, uh, after the fourth, uh, third grade. And so we need to focus that Title I money on making those corrections early. It's got to come back. We're going to digitize the thing so that uh, we get those tests back. Uh, and then, listen, if you don't uh, function well, if you're not a school that's not trying to meet the demand of these kids and, and prepare them to read for the rest of their academic career, then parents maybe ought to be able to take that money, of, you know, the pro rata amount of Title I money, and marry it up with whatever your state school choice and uh, a fund is and go off and find yourself a good education for your, for your child. We have got to start putting pressure on schools to doing reading, writing, and arithmetic. I mean, the test scores are abysmal and getting worse. If we don't do something, uh, it's going to cause huge problems. And the last part of that, think of this, one of the problems that the military is having a hard time recruiting, because when kids show up to take the test to get in, they don't read well enough to pass it. So it's impacting our national security. It's certainly impacting our economy, and it's impacting our ability to path a really great and prosperous country to the next generation. All of that needs to be done. And it, here's the good news. All of that can be done. Congressman, another big issue for Republican voters 
is fighting crime. There have been a lot of places around the country where crime has risen in the last couple of years, and they and and they want lawmakers and uh, people in power to do more to 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 stop that. Now, one of your opponents in the Republican Senate race in Michigan, who's ahead of you in some polls, has been the police chief, former police chief in Detroit, James Craig. So he's a former police chief. Uh, how do you? say that you're the better choice over someone like him? Well, the good news is we've got law enforcement endorsements all across the state. So it's not me saying it. It's uh, chiefs of police. It's uh, in southeast Michigan. It's uh, county sheriffs. uh, And it's the Police Officers Association of Michigan, which is the largest kind of working cop organization in the state. Um, And so they're all saying it's Mike Rogers, got to be Mike Rogers. So I have a record on being a good partner and how the federal government helps local police be more effective and more impactful. And so we've laid out some plans and uh, we've talked to a lot of police departments, how to help them on the fentanyl problem. And in Michigan, think of this, we have uh, eight uh, of the top 50 most violent cities. And it's not just murder. It's a whole host of other things, aggravated assault and rape and other things. Um, and that's unconscionable. And so uh, in talking to the chiefs, we've uh, I think we're going to formulate a plan here that I'll push when I'm getting into the Senate uh, to help get them off the list. My job is to make sure those eight cities are off the list uh, by the time that first term rolls around. And I think we can do it. There's a good way to uh, to do this through intelligence gathering and sharing that information with locals so they can leverage up their impact in these really high crime areas. And so uh, having that experience, I'm a former FBI agent. I was actually a street agent that worked cases and sources and, you know, put handcuffs on people and put them in jail. And, and they understand that I have that uh, that kind of up close and personal experience in law enforcement. Uh, and as my work as the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee when I was in Congress uh, clearly showed about the power of sharing information in the right place to have a better outcome. And so that's why I'm getting those endorsements, uh, even over, you know, somebody else that that was the he was the civilian police chief at the time. And so pretty important endorsements. I think that really does speak for itself in the fact that I actually have real solutions out there to try to get after these problems. In these communities. You mentioned being the chair of the House Intel Committee. Certainly you have kept your eye on what's happening in the Middle East is a big flare up point lately with not only the war in Gaza, but the expansion with the U.S. being under attack in different places in Iraq and Syria and with what's happening with the Houthi militants in the Red Sea targeting ships. The U.S. has designated them, you know, a special global terror group. Was that the right move in your opinion? Well, they sh- the, the right move is yes. The wrong move was taking them off the list in the first place. The Biden administration could not have screwed up the Middle East any more than they've managed to do. It started with that absolute debacle of a withdrawal from Afghanistan uh, that ended up costing 10 military personnel their lives uh, by turning their security over to the Taliban, which was, by the way, a terrorist organization. I mean, that was the beginning of really bad decisions that are having uh, catastrophic consequences, taking the Houthis off the list, telling the Saudis that they can't go after the Houthis uh, while they were negotiating with Iran on their nuclear deal. I mean, you could just go down this list of the things that they have done, the Biden administration and their team, 
to screw this up. And what it did is it just showed the rest of the world that they have permission to, to do what the kinds of things they're doing. Putin believed he had permission to go into Ukraine. Uh, Hamas thought that they had permission to go into Israel and slaughter 1,500 people. I mean, if you all of those decisions that they made had consequences. Uh, when you take uh, and stop enforcing the, the petrol sanctions on uh, Iran, it gave them billions of dollars. And that billions of dollars flowed to Hamas and Hezbollah and the groups in Iran, uh, the Badr brigades that were attacking U.S. soldiers and managing to get uh, you know a sternly worded memo out from the White House was a big accomplishment, which is why the Houthis continued and have fired at, uh, at not only our ships for target practice, apparently, uh, but commercial ships as well. And it's inter interfering in the commerce in the region. This, these all have serious consequences. And it is that perception of weakness that will get us in trouble every single time. And that's exactly what they've demonstrated over the last three and a half years. This is why you want to be engaged in the world, not entangled. The way the Biden administration has done this, we are now entangled in this mess. Uh, and nobody believes we're serious when we say, please don't do that. Congressman, we're less than a week away from the New Hampshire primary in the presidential race. Former President Trump won big in Iowa. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis still in the race, challenging him with the next contest ahead. You have already endorsed former President Trump in this race. Why did you do that ahead of the contests? So a couple of things. One of the things that we know is that I believe the border is a very serious national security and criminal uh, risk to, to, to U.S. citizens. Uh, Donald Trump's the only one that actually secured the border when he was president. The economy, your 401k was better under that. The unemployment was down. I mean, small businesses were less burdened with this overregulation. These are things that need to be done and need to be done quickly. Uh, and I believe that the president, uh, President Trump, will have the ability to get these things done quickly. Uh, and he's going to need a partner in the Senate to help close the border to get the economy back under control. I'm the only guy in the race, and I think uh, President Trump knows that, that was able to cut. When I was chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, I was able to cut almost 10 percent out of that budget at the height of Iraq and Afghanistan. Now, I didn't run around and have press conferences to talk about it, but we found lots of waste and uh, we were able to get rid of it. We need to do a lot more of that to get the federal budget under control. And so I believe that he was going to be uh, this is going to be that kind of rematch between Trump and Biden. And I can't think of a more clear choice. When you look at the last four years and what the policies have done to working families in my state of Michigan, what it's done to manufacturing, the, the, everything from the EV mandate uh, to trying to make your energy and oil prices a lot more expensive uh, to the fact that that inflation has taken a huge bite out of your check every single month. This made a very easy decision for me. We've got a lot of work to do to get America back on track, and we have to do it quickly. And I think Donald Trump is the guy to do it quickly. Do you expect him to come out and endorse you? Uh, didn't ask uh, ask him to do that. I had a very, very, uh, I thought, productive conversation with the president. And, uh, and I'll be running for the Senate. I think Michigan is going to be a very, very important state. I argue the sooner everyone rallies around a candidate so we can continue to build for a very tough general election, uh, I think the better off we're all going to be.
Mike Rogers, former congressman, former chair of the House Intel Committee, now one of the candidates running for Senate in Michigan. The primary is coming up August 6th, though a lot of time before that happens. Congressman, thank you very much for joining us. We wish you well. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.